Filmmakers make films, but films make filmmakers. From blockbuster premieres to grindhouse theaters, late night cable to the local video store, there is no greater classroom for aspiring filmmakers than cinema itself. Join your host, Eric Skorzynski, as he dives deep into the minds of legendary directors, producers, actors, and more to discover their biggest influences and to explore the impact their films are leaving behind. This is Film School. Grab your popcorn. Class is about to begin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Film School podcast. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with writer and director Bruce Wemple to talk about his brand new film, Island Escape. Beware, there are a couple spoilers near the end of the conversation, but we keep it fairly spoiler-free for the beginning so you can get some background on Bruce and some of the inspirations throughout his early career. So stay tuned. I'll drop a spoiler warning in the middle before we dive into the movie and uh, let you know what's coming. But for now, go ahead and enjoy today's episode. Two days ago, there was an accident at a research center off the coast of northern Canada involving a certain CEO's daughter. We need a team to go in and extract her within the next 24 hours. What do you know about me? I know you were recruited to the Ghost Project when you were 18. They stripped you of any legal identity, so if you die, no one would know. Discretion is their top priority. There are two possible research camps where the target could be located, north and south. Any idea what we're dealing with? It's that it's dangerous. What the hell could have done that? Y'all see anything? My guess is that surviving on the island for longer than three days has proven to be difficult. Man, what the hell is that? It's us. That's us. But if it's killing everyone on the island, it's some version of us. How do you survive against an island full of stronger, faster, deadlier versions of your previous selves? This is going to sound crazy. The whole island seems to be surrounded by some sort of wormhole. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on, excited to talk all about your new movie. But before we do that, I want to build some context around you. Uh, so take me back to the very beginning. Talk about childhood, Bruce. Like, what were you into? <laughs> were you always interested in time loops and science fiction and all of that, all of that good stuff? That's funny. It's a, it's a funny question. I, I will say I was always... As as soon as I had a camera, I was I was making movies. You now my buddies and I, it was actually there was a funny thing in uh, you know, in in middle school, let's say into high school. You know, I definitely was not paying as much attention to uh, my actual classes as I should have been. Right. But I always had kind of this scheme where near like the end of a you know whatever it was a quarter or semester, I would ask the teacher be like you know because I was doing really bad in the class. Can I get some extra credit if I make a movie about whatever mm. that is doing? 
And usually I was able to persuade them to do it and it would kind of get me out of jail near the end. Um, And uh, my parents found out I was doing this and uh, actually had to have a conference with the teachers and told them, you got to stop letting him do movies for, you know, Mm -hmm. he's not learning anything and everything like that. And so, but you know, the, the, but besides that, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it was always sci-fi and horror, but uh, definitely genre stuff. I think we always like, growing up we were just you know a lot of it was just recreating scenes we loved from our favorite movies and like right. we love tropes i mean i think that's something that kind of carried on through you know my uh my career is just like i love tropes i love that feeling of like seeing a hero that feels familiar from something else or maybe a little bit right. or that that plot device that feels familiar and then so yeah, that that that's kind of, and then you know, went to like a film schoolish sort of thing, and came out of that, and uh, started you know directing training videos and stuff like that before, um, got my hands dirty doing you know a couple features of some horror stuff for you know literally no money. Um, it was one of those things where uh, yeah, like it's movie Monstrous is a Bigfoot movie, and I was really making the costume on my roof in Brooklyn, like painting the fur and right. but doing whatever to put it together. And uh, and then we made it, you know, for like a couple grand, whatever we had saved up. Sure. And uh, that was the first movie that like we got connected with a distributor who actually was like, oh, this is worth money. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do more of this? Do you right. want to make another one? And to us, like and they get, you know, they were giving us next to no money to make these things. But to us, like anything was something. And we were like this. Yeah. We're actually making movies, not with just like whatever we can scrounge up around, you know, our apartment or at the house. That right. was the first time it was like. We have, and again, this budget was nothing, but it was for us, it was ever, it was for us, it was just like, we actually, we can feed ourselves on set. This yeah, is great, right. You know, that kind of feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder going back, because I'm always interested in obviously like the origin story a little bit. And it's one of the things that kind of frustrates me about the education system is that if you've got a propensity toward what you know you want to do. And I was, I was a similar way. Like when I was, I mean, when I was in like first, second grade, like we were running around with cameras and like shooting stuff. And, and in high school, I wish I would have thought to like barter with my video skills. I just was like, here, I'll do these things for you. Um, But it is frustrating where, you know, you're sitting there, you're showing skill in this area, you know what you want to do, you know, as a 15, 16 year old, like, this is all I want to do. And then it's like, well, focus on geometry right now, you know, and it's like, there could be some push to help you develop those skills, push toward mentorships and, you know, trying to do these sorts of things. Um, If you could go back to that age, knowing what you know now, what are some things that would have helped you kind of along your journey or things that you wish you would have done a little bit differently at the beginning to kind of jumpstart your career? Um, I I think that's a good question. Um, Cause I, I like, I, I was kind of an annoying kid with my friends of, like every weekend I was like, guys, we think we should make a movie. Yeah, right. Half the time they were down and super excited. And then the other half, they're like, we just did that. Let's, let's do something else this weekend. Yeah. But for the most part, um, yeah. And I think uh, for me, it was, it was, I didn't realize, I don't think um, how much you learn by making just bad things and mm-hmm. like until later. And so like, and so, I mean, I did it a lot, but I'm like, if I could have done it even more, that would have been fantastic. Like, it's hard to say, cause knowing now, like I'm actually doing it all the time and it's, yeah. you know, it's supporting me. It's, it's, it's tough to, to, in hindsight, be like, oh, I should have just quit everything else and focus on. Right. Film. Right. 
But um, yeah, that would that maybe would have been crazy. But no, I think what I will say is like it's so much fun, especially in college. But before then, when you have the freedom to just like make something really, really, really bad, but mm-hmm. learn about a thousand things in the process of making it, edit it together, look at it, and be like, this doesn't work, or maybe there's something in there that works, or something like that, and yeah. then just immediately dive into whatever the next project is, and and sure. just keep doing that because. I don't know. I, I had always had the feeling like when even in high school, there was some kind of film classes. Um, I wouldn't say they were like it, it was whatever you put into them. It was kind of like they gave you a camera and they said, you right, know, this is a movie. This is, you know, how to edit. This is how to white balance that kind of stuff. Um, but I think if if you are have access to that equipment um, mm-hmm. and I guess if I had access to, to more equipment, maybe. But I don't know. The uh, it just you you use that and 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 you know uh and i because i also felt the classes couldn't can only go so far i mean unless yeah. you're really into like film theory and that's what you want to study right but just make and i'm not talking about making stuff that you're actually you know spending money on or doing anything i'm just you know making stuff that's just for you and your friends right goes a long way in developing those skills i think uh, more than i think you might realize at the time yeah. Well, you mentioned making stuff that's bad and learning from those mistakes, but I think one of the other things that comes up is like, it's hard to identify what is bad, <laughs> you know, like, especially yeah. when you're starting, like, you know, I mean, I remember like doing a lot of early stuff and it's like, man, there's this really cool close up of this thing that makes no sense when dropped in the middle of everything else that I'm working on. Um, mm-hmm. Who are, who are kind of your North star you know, guides who are saying like, Hey, double down on this or, Hey, don't do that again. Like, did you have some mentors or people that were speaking into you? I mean, outside of obviously like in film school, you've got, you know, people that are doing that, but did you have any other creators or influencers that kind of took you under their wing in the beginning? I mean, yeah, going back, I mean, like my parents did put the kibosh on the extra credit thing, but they were always super supportive of, you know, just, just, you know, me doing it and and spending every ounce of free time I had doing that. And they were, they were always encouraging that. They just were like, he still needs to go to college and, and get an education yeah. or else he's going to be screwed. The, um, but yeah, then in high school, like there was, there was a couple teachers. There's one specifically a uh, creative writing teacher um, that uh, we, he did one assignment in the creative writing class. That was a kind of a screenwriting assignment. Mm-hmm. It was like, right. Like a short screenplay. And that was the first time that, like any of the technical side of screenwriting, you know, before right. it's like we're in like word, just like, you know, name, colon, writing it, that kind of thing. And just, just doing whatever. And that was the first time, like, and then he read it and he could tell, like, I wanted to keep doing this more and more and more. So he, he started being very encouraging. And as I was making stuff, I'd show him things, yeah. terrible things, like not terrible, but like, you know, we'd make some stupid, like, Batman ripoff fight scene in a parking lot at the time. And we'd, we'd show him and he'd be like, Oh yeah. And he'd, he'd give his thoughts and notes and stuff. And that was really encouraging. Um, yeah. And then I think that went a long way. Just like being like, Oh, if we make something, you know, and then we put a little, a good amount of effort into it make it kind of like there's someone, an older person that we show it to and they'll get a little bit of feedback and that's nice. So sure. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit. I mean, obviously you mentioned starting super low budget, you know, and, and working your way into actually making this a career. Um, was the vision always directing or did you have any 
notion of like, I want to get in front of the camera or I want to be just writing or I want to be a cinematographer? Like, or was it always like, I just want to make my own thing and have kind of control over it from start to finish? That's it. It's weird. Like, I, I think there was a period where I was like, I would, I would DP stuff for friends and stuff. And I, I still like doing that here and there, but you know, that I think you're right. It goes back to that feeling like in, in either whether it's high school or college of just like getting on the phone, calling up your friends and and putting a project together that kind of like carries on now where, you know, it's, it's, you have an idea for something and, and it doesn't, I guess there's like that difference between directing and like filmmaking where like filmmaking, I'm feel like I'm just, I'm putting this project all together and, and, and it mm-hmm. feels very homemade a little bit. And, and yeah. I, I like that. And versus just directing something and having a lot, a bigger team that's more supporting you. Um, no, I think, I think there, there's, I, I've, I've done other projects that had bigger sets and stuff and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not the same vibe. And, and, um, I just, I, I also noticed on those projects, I'm like a lot of this budget's just like really getting lost somewhere. Like I, I know the numbers mm-hmm. again, like it just, none of this is making sense. And like all shouldn't all that matters is what's on that screen, you know, what's on the, uh, right. your monitor. And so there was like a period of time. Um, I was, this is like going, we made a movie called Lake Artifact. Um, and this is 2016, 2017, but we had just made a different movie and I'm very happy with the movie, but the experience was, like I said, it, it was, uh, there was maybe more people more involved, more cooks in the kitchen than necessarily right. needed to be. And then, so this next movie, I got my composer buddy who just, he just decided he'll do the sound. I shot it and directed it. We had a couple other friends helping out. I called some actor friends and I was like, Hey, I want to make this movie. Uh, it all takes place at a cabin. The movie takes place over three days. I rented the cabin. You want to come? Um, I'll give you beer for the weekend. And yeah. like, and be like, it worked. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work because we have no crew and anything, but if it does awesome. And if it doesn't, it's a fun weekend of just like right. making stuff and partying and everything. Yeah. Um, and so we did that. And, and again, it was fun. And, but the movie was like, again, there's technical issues within it. And I'm like, it's not like, you know, it shouldn't be shown as an example, but that process kind of um, sparked something in me where I was, I was like, okay, I think there's somewhere between the big indulgent sort of whatever you want to call it crew or spending a ton on certain gear. And then, um, and then what we just did, what we just did is like the bare minimum of what you could possibly make something with. Right. And I think I'm still trying to find like, where's that sweet spot of, it feels like everyone's collaborating. There's no passengers there. Everyone feels like they're, they're just all making something together. Um, but you know, you're not, you don't get too big or too, you know? So, so I think that's something I'm still trying to find, but I think that's kind of like going from one end to another, like figuring out, you know, like, yeah, like I said, how, how to, how to, how to make something that just, I, I enjoy that feeling when everyone on set feels like they have ownership of the project and, and everyone's right. participating in it. Right, right. So now approaching Island Escape, you've got a lot of people that you worked with before that have come back and are working with you on this project. Like going into it, did you know, hey, I want to use these actors again? Do I want to use the same community of people around me or was it something where that just kind of happened like as you went through the project or were you writing it in mind of like i want these people as these characters i think 
we wrote it because like honestly like i said when we were working with next time no money back then the budgets haven't gotten that much bigger it's not like we're you know <laughs> right <laughs> it's still kind of in the same you know similar place but uh and what I love a little bit about that is, is you know, we do these movies and um, everyone has a little bit of ownership in, in the project. And then the next movie, regardless if the budget's the same, maybe it's a little more, um, everyone's just trying to outdo whatever we just did. And right. so there's that that is super fun. So there's that side of it, of bringing people back. The other thing is I knew this was going to be a really hard shoot. Um, mm-hmm. I knew it was very ambitious for the project, uh, for for the budget. Um, and I just, I needed people who had been in the foxhole with me before and I could trust that like right. when, when the going got a little tough, when we're hiking up a mountain to do a, like a mountaintop fight scene that has a lot of complicated moving pieces around it. Right. And probably going to have to hike back in the dark because we're shooting, you know, at that golden hour. Right. Um, I just needed people that like, I knew were down to do that, you know, and everything was safe, but I just needed, I couldn't have anyone that just like a risk of, of, you know, and, right. and of, of something happening and they're all great actors and they all fit the roles perfectly so i think going into it i kind of already had a small idea of who i've worked with that could fit into each of those roles um and as the you know as it developed and i started reaching out to each one of them it kind of all came together um so i think for the most part i think everyone in the main crew i've worked with before everything like the main cast i've worked with before and i think pretty much all of them or i at least had in mind a little bit when i wrote the project so um yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, I think I think it's it's a trust thing, it's a team thing. It's it's like right. you know, it, it being on set's difficult for the most part, and especially yeah. if you don't have certain luxuries and right. and especially if you're asking someone like, okay, we gotta get dragged by a boat and you yeah. know, we're doing all this sort of stuff and and just knowing someone that you've worked with before and that you trust each other and you're getting you'll you'll make the best yeah. thing you can possibly make. Yeah, no one's storming off because they expected something else. Or yeah, yeah. Um, beyond the beyond the characters and the actors, a little bit. I mean, it's no secret. Like when you look at your filmography, like you're a big fan of you know of science fiction, of time bending, of you know a lot of these concepts and themes show up throughout your work. Um, Talk to me about like the biggest inspirations for this movie in particular. Like, what were you drawing on anything specifically? Was there any like influences you really wanted to pick up? I know you mentioned somewhere like there was some John Carpenter influence on it. Um, what were some of the other key kind of things working through your mind or concepts as you were writing? I think it was it started almost like two different things. Where um, on the previous project, we we just we started talking about the those. It's kind of like a cliche. We like. You know, bunch of badass mercenaries go to an island, and you, you kind of know what's going to happen. And, and yeah. so, but we just love the idea of making that because it's just like we had never done a real action movie before, and we just we we fell in love with that brand of movie, right. um, that, that style. And, and so we're like, we knew we wanted to do that. Um, and and you know, you can name a bunch of movies that that kind of already do that. And then my idea was, let's let's we know you know we can do some time bendy stuff that, that already was kind of I playing with a different idea. And so the goal ended up being, let's make a movie where the first, you know, act sets up a movie, gets the audience comfortable with that kind of almost cliche type of movie where, okay, we'll meet the mercenaries. They're going to go to this yeah. Island. 
shit's going to go down. They're all, you know, out testosteroning each other, the whole thing. And then, you know, the, the music of the helicopters, all of it. Um, let's make a movie. So the audience feels super comfortable with what they're watching. They, yeah. they, they, they know. And then let's start introducing some other concepts and some, you know, uh, time mind bendy sort of things right. and and then we then we have a different sandbox to play in because the audience feels so comfortable with what we've already set up that we can do some crazy stuff and and um not worry about you know it being too confusing and that was definitely a thing we were like let's just make sure we don't get way too confusing because we've done that before <laughs> gone down that rabbit hole with time travel because it's really easy to do and we're like for this let's make sure that every bit of information we introduced about this island and everything is relevant to the character's decisions. And we don't say any more or any less than we need to just, right. just to keep it flowing. And, and, and so, yeah, that was the idea. And, and I think in terms of the horror side, I mean, that's just always like, I, I was telling someone, I think evil dead is just like embedded in my like DNA. Um, right. too. And so, like, I'll write something and we'll start making something and we'll start realizing, like, that connective tissue with Evil Dead unintentionally. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah, you're right. That was that was straight. And, but it's just I, I think it's something that it, it's just such a part of us that it's, it's just always going to somehow make its way in one form or another um, into what we're making. So, yeah, it's a kind of an all mishmash of those different ideas. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because uh, I didn't pick up Evil Dead. But it's interesting with the designs or the the creatures. There's definitely some of that vibe. But I mean, how do you not at a certain point? Like, there's some things that you're, you're gonna like. You said it's just part of your vocabulary at a certain point. Um, as much the as genre completely, like you said. So it's right. like it's not just even us. It's it changed everything at that point, and you know everything started looking a lot more like that because it just looks awesome, you know. And yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I'm curious too. Like, um, I think, like initially watching the trailer and then watching the movie. Like, I also like. I'm a huge fan of. Or I don't game at all now, um, but I used to be a huge gamer, and I was like a big Resident Evil guy, um, and that's like the vibes that I picked up early in the trailer. The movie goes in very different directions. Um, obviously, I think on the sci-fi angles, was that something that was in there at all, or like was that an influence at all? I was never a gamer, but I definitely had seen the Resident Evil movies, or at least a couple of them. Yeah. So I was aware of that, and I was aware of that's another one of those movies that kind of just lands right in, in, in right. my library of, of mercenaries getting killed off by monsters. So right. totally aware of that. Like, I like the first movie, um, but no, the, the game, I, I think I had friends that had told me the similarities, but I, I never really was super into video games. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what about the the science fiction influence do you have I, I am curious just in general i know you mentioned um i was watching one of your interviews for um i believe it was first contact and you're talking about um they were asking if you believed in aliens and you were you were kind of talking pontificating about that that possibility um what are some of the biggest sci science fiction influences on you and on your work um you mentioned i think star trek in that in that um, yeah in that conversation awesome. TNG was was always huge. I was like my dad and I thing. We'd watch Star Trek yeah. Generation. But um, like I said before, like the growing up, there, you know, we were just kind of recreating scenes from other movies that are like, but we'd name the characters different stuff and everything. But it was always some version of an Indiana Jones scene, some version <laughs> of yeah. 
you know, uh, of something in that kind of Terminators, like that Spielberg Cameron, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, all those movies, that was kind of like definitely what we were going after. And then I think our tastes, I don't know if you know, sophisticated is the wrong word, but you know, they, they changed yeah. as we go older. Right. But, um, but yeah, that was definitely. And then the one movie that like was just on all the time for us and, and uh, the first, the VHS and then we DVD and everything was back to the future. Um, right. Just, I mean, I'm not the only one, but like, yeah, I just loved, loved, loved that movie. And then definitely the second one I just loved. And, and that mm. idea of, I remember just blowing my mind that the second one that they are literally just like in, re like walking through the first movie within the second movie mm-hmm. my brain was like oh you can do that and and then you can play with scenes that have already happened and kind of revisit yeah. things. and i think that just that alone and, and that's maybe just the third act of the second back to the future i i that got my brain going a lot as a kid and then later that time travel like gets more and more interesting the, the less the time travel is or less the, the, the smaller the time mm. span so it's like one day or two years and stuff so you can actually literally like revisit specific events that it starts getting more complicated but for me it starts right. getting more interesting than like we went back to you know the army the of darkness ages. style yeah right yeah which is awesome obviously but the the, the time travel side like the, the the paradox that that whole element you don't have to worry about as much. And, and so, but versus, you know, you go back in time one week or whatever, yeah. and you're literally trying to avoid yourself or that kind of sort of thing that, that always fascinated me. And, and just also cinematically fascinated, fascinated me because it's just something that, you know, that that's what movies are is just the manipulation of time and events and everything. Mm. So you're yeah. Putting one layer over that with just slightly manipulating time events within the screenplay and then doing it within the edit. And, and so that, that was something that just, you know, it, I mean, I've revisited the concept over in different ways um, over and over again, but I think it was really just that idea of just like, you can really only do that within a movie, you know, there, it's hard to, you know, I mean, you can maybe write it, but like the, the showing repeated events or events in different contexts or with slightly different editing and so yeah i I think that's where that kind of started yeah 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 no definitely um yeah i like that um and i i issue a spoiler warning in the intro of this episode but um just i'm just gonna do a blanket one now because we can talk freely (laughs) um but that's one of the things i really liked within uh within the movie is that that moment where he's like Oh, that was yesterday. You know, like he's kind of breaking down this like previous trip to the, to this um to this island and it's like, "Oh yeah, that was yesterday." And it's kind of this like, "What? <laughs> what kind of moment?" <laughs> um and yeah, I think that kind of stuff's interesting cuz I I you know, um have you, have you have you seen the new Indiana Jones? I haven't. No. I've I've heard there's just on I I heard there there's elements of time travel. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um but it, it's, you, can, you can spoil it though if you need to. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you because I know you're uh, I know you're a fan of the franchise. But but uh, it's one of the it's one of the things though where you know the, it, it raises the question of of you know time travel and 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 discussion that like that. But I I kind of agree. Like I my tolerance for hey we're gonna go back way 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 back is very low. Like I I I think it's okay but like the army of darkness style hey we're going back to the middle ages it never quite like 
thrills me the way I think it does some people. Um, but I'm really fascinated, like like movies like Tenet or that that deal with it or Edge of Tomorrow. Like there's a lot that deal with like that same week or day or like couple of hours. Like I think that's really fascinating. And I think it's interesting, like even um even Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead kind of plays with that concept yeah. like just a little bit. Um, and then doesn't really do anything with it after it <laughs> brings up the idea maybe for a second. Maybe there'll be sequels or something. I right. don't know. Maybe we're setting something up. <laughs> right. So it's, but I think that's a really interesting perspective when you're approaching that writing. Cause like sometimes watching the hardest part is like following all these threads when you're writing, is this just like a bunch of three by five cards going like this point to this point? Is it just something you're keeping in your head all the time? Like, how do you make sure that you're not saying something happened at this point that would, you know, invalidate something at another point. Like, how do you keep that straight? That's funny. The, uh, so year or two ago, it it got released in January, but we made a movie called the tomorrow job, Mm -hmm. which is like a time travel heist movie that basically the premise is you take a pill and you trade places with your tomorrow self for one hour. So Hmm. your mind goes tomorrow and your tomorrow mind comes back to today. And that would instantly became so complicated that like the, the movie, you know, I love the movie and it's a very fun heist movie and it kind of keeps the tone a little light. Um, and kind of like that oceans 11 vibe, but the time travel aspects definitely snowballed a little bit just because you're, you know, you're having to keep track of, of, you know, what happened today? What are you, we, right. what we did this eye color thing to kind of show where they are, but still it was, a uh, we, we, it, we realized for this movie, we're like, all right, we got to figure out a way to simplify it. And, um, and we, like you said, like that, that, that brain break moment of that was yesterday, which happens, I think closer to the end of act two in the movie. Right. You can only do that a couple times. I think we realized yeah. before the audience feels exhausted and just right. needs to kind of like revisit, rethink. And I think the other movies have dealt like, like Tenet, you know, suffered a little bit of that. I love Tenet. I think it's really awesome. Looks awesome. Everything like that. But it took me a bit to like sign of like, wait, hold on. Just because it's, there's so yeah. many of those mind melting moments that right. you're trying to catch up with the movie as the movie's happening. So, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so I think that was one big lesson I was learned is like, we can only do a couple big brain breaks. Let's call them. Right. Um, the one that you mentioned specifically was the one that, needed to like really explain everything kind of right. and set up that last act. Um so yeah that that was a big one. And then like I said before, I think and this doesn't just time travel. This is I think a lot of horror movies, a lot of uh a lot of sci-fi stuff is get only give the information that's really relevant to the characters mm-hmm. what they need to do. As soon we we had mapped out, I think there was a draft of the screenplay that started to go into you know, the bigger players that, you know, and then what they're doing, what, how the island actually functions in more of a, you know, science jargon sort of way and, and, and right. kind of got a little too in the weeds with the details. And I think like most horror movies, I think stay stronger the, the less information you get, you know, right. and then as you start explaining everything, it only opens up more questions. So right. yeah, we're, that was the idea is we'll, only a couple of big moments that, you know, the audience has to catch up to and figure out. And then in terms of like actual time travel, I, yeah, we, we're doing spoilers. It really only happens technically twice, but but yeah. one big one that, that 
and and hopefully by then we've fed you enough information that the audience can figure out exactly what just happened there um and and so that that was just like that was the idea is we'll, we'll still keep that mind bending nature but just simplified i guess is, is right right yeah and i think that's a smart approach because i think that's where it is it's a very it's a tightrope you know and like it's the fact that even like christopher nolan you know yeah. it's like difficult to walk that tightrope like for anyone to try to do and, and when you over explain and i think tenet makes the audacious attempt to try to explain very specifically everything yeah. <laughs> um but like you can rest a lot in the ambiguity i think in these kind of projects you know and and i think you know one of the things i think you you did well in this is you know like you're focused more on you know say like grant schumacher's character he he's playing knowing this information that no one else knows and you're focused more on how he's handling that and how everyone else reacts to that versus here's the way that this rift open you know like you're not going too deep into that that kind of science fiction lore which i think would have been could have been a lot more talky than it needed to be and also could have just gotten you know too infatuated with itself which i think happens a lot with these kind of things I agree. And I think like just back to the Nolan thing, like I think Tenet, I think that was a movie that got better because I think my first, first watch, you're, you're constantly trying to understand like, this looks cool. and experience it at the <laughs> yeah. same time. But like you go back to a similar kind of complicated movie, like, like Inception. And I think what always worked about that movie for me was there was such a strong emotional core to the movie mm-hmm. that like, and like you were saying with the character, um, character stuff, that even if you didn't fully understand what was happening on like, I don't know, like a, a full plot level or the actual mechanics of the dream and everything, you knew what the motives of the characters were and you always were able to follow why the Leonardo DiCaprio was making the decisions he was making and why everyone else was making the decisions that they were making, even if you didn't fully get it on the first watch. And right. so that's why that movie works really, really well. And I think that was something that, any movie needs to focus on is just like how how the characters affected and, and it is is this becoming more about the plot or you know the time travel the all that kind yeah. of stuff or is it still focused on the mission at hand or whatever the characters goals are or whatever like that because i think right. you as long as the audience doesn't get lost in that they're usually pretty good about everything else right exactly exactly um well as far as you know the audience is one thing and then working with the cast specifically, obviously you'd worked with them before. I think they kind of know how your brain's working, approaching these, like keeping them straight on it or like giving them the information they needed to, because obviously they're, they have to bring the character's experiences into the, into the performance. Like, were you having different conversations with each as far as like, here's what you do know, here's what you don't play it as if you know something that the other characters don't like, or did you kind of just give them the script and say, you know, interpret this as you will. They all had the script. I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm no good at doing the, uh, <laughs> you get that, this segment and these pages and you get I got the, enough yeah. to worry about. I'm like, I'm right. not, I, I need everyone to be like, to, to absolutely know what I'm trying to go for on, on a bigger picture. And then we'll figure out how to get each moment down. Yeah. But yeah, they all, you know, we, we had different approaches for each character. Um, I think Grant probably had, you know, plays Russ, the most difficult challenge ahead of him just yeah. because, 
he has to know something and then do he had to justify doing certain things and it all right. rooted back to like that when he says um if you could relive the worst moment of your life and make it yeah. just that little bit better would you would you do it um and and so i kept on telling him like this whatever you're making decision you're making just just you're going back to that you know and mm-hmm. and once he got into it i, I really liked it because he 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 realized his character had to be a bit crazy um yeah. to, to do any of this thing and and then so from the get-go from that opening scene where i think he's working on his car and he talks to uh addison he's got a look in his eye that he's he's a little crazy and 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 that was something i thought was an awesome decision that he kind of just stuck with for the rest of the movie um until he confesses and everything and then you kind of see a softening um yeah happen there so um now that that was that was a lot of him just kind of digging in being like i right, how do i figure this out um, and then James is kind of the opposite where uh, I'd be like, you don't know anything. Um, yeah, he played right. case. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so it was like that, that kind of amnesia and, and which was necessary to make a bunch of other things work, but yeah, yeah. that, uh, that, and then, and he plays that perfectly. Cause I think there's a version of that. that's very boring and, and, doesn't, yeah. you know, and, and then there's kind of a flat character. And I think he's able to put enough, charm and everything in it to uh to make it work and then everyone and just we kind of went through the backstories of each character uh lejan who plays tag about his daughter mm-hmm. and how he's slightly outside the sphere of the, these these mercenaries and same thing with uh chris who plays on um, dex how he's yeah. one, you know the more cerebral one and kind of just figure out how they differ from the other characters and mm-hmm. then um michael who plays uh um, Colt in the movie that uh, you know he's just he's that, that crazy cowboy guy and um, yeah <laughs> yeah and just just making sure that everyone kind of knew like I said before tropes we definitely didn't shy away from certain tropes yeah. because we want to break things later on and it was just way easier I think for an audience to digest a movie that they're familiar with all of these characters from other movies you know it's building yeah. off of your existing knowledge of um of this genre so. Right, right, yeah. Um, going into kind of the the finale piece because this is the part that really stood out to me just visually is I love kind of the I don't know how to describe it the force field, but this kind of rift visualized, yeah, (laughs) the the aurora borealis kind of effect throughout. Um, how difficult was it pulling that off? Cause it looks really good. Um, and, um, and you know, I, on the VFX side, just, just pulling off something again, big like that. Um, how did, how did you go about doing that? And then that final, you referenced earlier, that final getting dragged by the boat. Um, I know, uh, James is like ripped. That's like the real finale of the movie to me is like, he's fine. You know, when he, when he reveals in the tank top, you're like, why didn't they have him like this? The whole movie, this is like the most action hero looking dude ever. Um, you know, <laughs> h- how did you go about pulling those things off and, and how tricky was that logistically on a, you know, on a smaller budget? The, uh, it's funny. So we knew we were shooting this about early last September. The script had been written, but we okay. weren't sure. If we were making it and in what capacity we're making it, um, how much money we're going to have to deal with and all that. Um, So we kind of got the idea we were making it. We kind of had a good idea of what the budget was going to be, but certain things hadn't been figured out. But what we realized was probably realistically with pre-production, everything we'd be shooting end of October or November. 
which mm. was way too late to shoot this bow sequence. So we were shooting in upstate New York mainly. Um, nice so, and warm and sunny at yeah, that time of year. Yeah, and I yeah. couldn't do that to James. He was already doing them. So right. I'm like, all right, we got to start shooting. We got to get this sequence. That was literally the first thing we shot was really? the boat sequence. Um, and it, there was a lot of moving pieces going. We had, you know, we had the, the, the boat that's in the movie, but we had a second boat that so we could be going alongside of it. Yeah. Um, we had the drone in the air. Um, and it was one of, like, we, uh, yeah, we, we uh, it was it was still cold. It was like late September, so and everyone else had a wetsuit except for James because of his wardrobe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he and he knew he we we discussed it. We're like, we could put you in a long sleeve shirt, but why? Um, yeah, we yeah, right. we uh, that that would have been a disservice for everyone. The uh, and then yeah, so we we got that together and and it was it was nuts but it was honestly like such a relief getting that in the can when we did yeah. um just because at that point like I, we maybe just got the hardest thing we're gonna shoot done yeah um and then so yeah that was basically the process i mean we you know rehearsing on land just every single piece of it and then once you're actually shooting you know there's some parts that we just have to do you know, practically there's, and then some other parts where I was able to be on the boat with them. And maybe mm-hmm. there's other shots literally were on land with just a big fan going in their face, just to the, right. the there, there, there's a lot of different pieces in there. Um, but yeah. And then in, it's funny in post uh, the VFX went through a lot of different trials at first. It was like this cloudy stormy sort of thing where there was lightning and all that. And we're just like, it just, it doesn't, it's not interesting, you know, it, it, it's cool, yeah. but it's what, and then we kept on like kind of trying different things. And then finally um, I was toying with something and then we finally, like we, uh, in the helicopter crash in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. We were like, that look, has to crash into a force field. And once we figured out how that looked, that informed all the decisions for that finale. Right. Being yeah. said, like anything, like, I'm very happy with the final product, but it would that's the always gonna be the longest part of the whole post-production process. There's still shots in there. I'm like, oh, if we just had more time a little bit on that shot or this shot or right. whatever. Um, which I think that's just always gonna be the case with VFX. So I think you just that would happen if you had another year and another hundred million dollars, you know, you'd be I know <laughs> I would still change this, you know. I know, um, I know. But uh just, but that was that, and then yeah, we uh so but that, that those vfx shots i think were probably there was a couple shots in there and that was i want to say that was the last thing before picture locking was those pictures it was those it just it, it drags always so sure sure well i want to ask you um i'm going to ask you two questions i'm going to go into kind of a rapid round i like to ask everybody the same sure. questions that comes on um but I'm curious, just and I've never asked somebody this before. What's the thing that you're most proud of with this movie that you're like, I can't believe we pulled that off? Um, and then number two, what is the thing where if you had unlimited budget and unlimited time, you wish you could have done within the movie? Uh, good question. The um, I don't know if I'm most proud of this, but it's just a, a thing that I love in the movie that was just it's more sheer luck than anything. We knew we needed those helicopter shots um, of mm-hmm. them in the helicopter. It just wasn't going to be exciting enough if they were taking a boat or any other way. That we just need, we Cut to we're here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's boring. And then, so we, um, we got hooked up at this helicopter school in upstate New York and the guy was really awesome. And, and he, you know, he's 
we're like we worked out a deal and you know those <laughs> it's funny those like shots in the helicopter of them in the sky and all that yeah mounts for maybe 20 seconds if that it's by far the most expensive shots in the entire movie but we just really? need those in there but yeah. then while while we were there or while i was scouting it the guy opens up the hangar at the school and it's been a bunch of like millionaires or i don't know billions they could be i don't know all keep their private jets and helicopters in this hangar mm. so i'm like do you think we could shoot in the hangar yeah and he was just like yeah i don't see why not yeah as long as you don't you know hurt anything or damage anything i'm like really so that that scene of them all meeting in the hangar i think initially was somewhere completely different yeah. and we very quickly moved the scene there we of course needed to get the you know the armageddon shot the hangar opening and them all right. walking the hangar right at the sunrise and uh and then them just standing in this hangar that they're just surrounded by helicopters and private jets and everything and it just added so much production value and just made the whole thing feel a lot more exciting um when that ultimately costs the production next to no additional money right. we just got lucky this guy was so cool so i'm I'm really proud of that moment i don't know if it was like it, it's just luck if you will but yeah, uh and, right. and the other one I'll, I'll say is um and that's another thing, piece of advice it's like whatever like opportunity you get to add a little bit of right. value like, just jump on it and, and and take it um the hardest part of the movie you would think was the 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 boat stuff but that mountaintop fight scene um hmm. just because it's about like it was like a few mile hike into it um so we had to there's no driving we had to carry all our uh, gear and everything like that we finally got there and uh and and we're shooting and there's also like a lot of complication uh a lot of movie pieces within the scene because they're fighting versions of themselves right so makeup wise we had to carefully plan exactly how we shoot it what we're shooting first what we're shooting second to make sure that you know our actor isn't covered in makeup when we need to be shooting something else um so that was logistically a nightmare and also physically really tough um but you know getting that done was was, was really exciting i'm really happy with that scene um and uh just just the way the doubles we tried to do every trick we could in terms of uh having an actual person there that acted mm -hmm. as a double also there's some comp shots in there where you know they're right. a classic thing and then just the over the shoulders so try to throw as many tricks just to make it feel like there's not just one specific trick that we keep revisiting for um for, for showing the doubles um yeah that was exhausting and, and and we also you know since we're shooting a sunset we have to hike back out in the night yeah. um so there, there was a lot of parts of that day that I think everyone was super, super proud after we finished that. And especially when right. we were watching the dailies and saw how it's working. Came out. Yeah, yeah. working. It looks cool. And it was, it was worth it. So um, yeah, that was probably the hardest and most proud I was as us as a unit, just all being able to tough through that and, and, and get that in the can. If I had more money, yeah, I mean, like, I think VFX is always something that, you know, you can, you can keep going with. Uh, I think also it's, stunt wise i think i if with more money i will probably end up going as big as i possibly can with whatever the, yeah. the stunt is maybe we could have added some boat stuff or it's just one you know anytime you introduce boats or vehicles or whatever and, and those kinds of sequences more money equals you can just wreck more things right and yeah. so that would have been awesome um to just just have more wreckage in the movie maybe just just for what it was but yeah and, and i think that that between that and the vfx i think more money would have been uh 
yeah, one day, one day we'll see. <laughs> right. Right. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions, ask everybody that comes on the show. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go through these and hopefully we can get these done here in sure. 10 minutes. It's always a challenge, but we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> um, first and foremost, if you had to program a double feature of any movie alongside this movie, what would you pick and why? Oh boy. Oh man. A double feature. There's a movie I really like, which not many people talk about, uh, Triangle. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm, uh, and it's another time loop movie, but they basically go to this abandoned cruise ship and they it's another one themselves are there. But um, I'm told very differently and there's no monsters or zombies in it, but they realize that they end up consistently killing each other on this thing. So mm. um, it starts, it's very gory, very scary, but super fun. So awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, who do you think is the most underrated um, artist working today? This could be filmmaker, actor, stunt performer, VFX artist, you name it, composer. A really good question. Underrated because I'm. A... Um, what did I just. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a, because I'm trying to think like what defines underrated, you know, because if they're, they've reached that certain level of, uh, of success, are they actually underrated or not? Right. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just going to say like a character actor that I always like watching. And just, cause I just saw him last week in mission impossible and Shea Wiggum showed up and I'm like, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Mm-mm, but I haven't yet. He's, he just, He's he was in. I just saw him before that in Kong School, and just like anytime he shows up in a movie, I'm just like, he always plays the the hard nosed cop or whatever that that sure FBI agent, and he just he's always super entertaining. So I'm I'm gonna go with something like that. So a character actor that he's always a that guy in a movie, but he never disappoints. Yeah, we just uh, finished watching Righteous Gemstones, and he's he's in that. Uh, he's he's really funny in that. He's, um, he's great in everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What do you think is the best decade of film history? Best decade of film history. Um, I have to say, like, in, in, just from a personal level, like the movies of like the eighties, or like even like late I'll say eighties, just because it just I think it changed how movies were kind of made and and it could definitely influenced how i perceive movies until and then just in and just as like yeah i would say 80s 80s just you know between all of the spielberg stuff and everything and it's just yeah. there was so much coming out that and now we're just seeing all of that kind of stuff revisited which i don't mind right. that stuff that stuff is really good but i think it's just you can see its fingerprints on everything that was made after right yeah absolutely um, what is a movie that people would be surprised to know that you enjoy? Uh, I don't know how surprising any of these movies would be like, I I've probably watched MacGruber more than like any other. It's like, and I don't know how surprising that is. Cause I think in t- like, remember when it came out, it was one of our favorite movies and no one really knew. I think in the last, in the 10 years since it's come out, it's gotten more of the, do that it's it deserves and it's not hmm. just like a bad movie but i've probably seen that movie over a hundred times it's just fantastic at every level <laughs> um if you were given the green light to remake any film what would you choose and why 
remake any film. Um, you would think this would be something I'd thought of before, but um, to yeah, like because yeah, you want it to be like a missed opportunity. You don't want to right. make something that's already the Godfather or something. Yeah, yeah no, like cause like like yeah, Back to the Future should never be touched. But like yeah, it's it's one of those. It, it needs to be something that yeah, just didn't quite hit it, but was a perfect. Um, hmm. Such a good question. Uh, God, these are tough. These are tough because it, <laughs> it feels so defined. I know. So this is usually where, this is where everything comes to a halt and people are like, why'd you ask me that? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's just, it, it's always those questions. It's like, it feels like, oh, it, it's, it's a really good question, but I'm like. And I you know, start. like tomorrow you'd be like, oh, I would remake that. <laughs> yeah. In a different scenario, I'd be like, I need weeks to figure this out. The um, <laughs> But uh I'll just say, like, I, don't, I haven't seen it. I watched it so much as a kid. I don't know if you know if it would work today. I don't know how it would work, but like, Time Bandits was a movie that just. Hmm. Um, That's the yeah, Terry, Terry so Gilliam. Like, Gilliam movie. I yeah, seen but, that. yeah. And it's like a kid, a kid in, at night, and he's just a bunch of time traveling. Um, guys just come marching through his closet and take him on an adventure throughout the rest of the movie. And mm. it's really exciting. And I just, yeah, I think there's, they're, they're, yeah, I would, I don't know. Again, I'm going to change that. And like, as soon as we get off, I'll be like, that was, that was terrible. I, I could, <laughs> but um, right. yeah, I'll stick to that for right now. <laughs> uh, which of your films do you think is the best representation of you as a creator? Um, So I, that's funny. Cause I've done, like you said, a bunch of, time travel movies and then a bunch of horror creature movies and like i think they're both like i love making both i don't think i've ever really crossed them like i have with island escape Hmm. and so like island escape definitely feels like and i know this is you know of course i'm gonna say the movie it's the movie i'm currently promoting is definitely my favorite you know (laughs) but but it is like the only one that like i've ever made that just kind of feels like everything i love about the other movies kind of kind meshed into one that actually works um so yeah I, I mean i would say island escape um yeah I, I, that that i don't think there's um there's other movies i i love and there's big moments in it but in terms of just like being able to put all the ingredients that have made up my career up until now into one movie definitely island escape awesome um, and last question I ask everybody that comes on the show, if you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring filmmaker who is listening to this interview, uh, what would you say? I think like what we talked about earlier, the uh, there's gold in, in making that bad stuff, or maybe it's awesome, but whatever you're making, like, and, and, you know, don't put a bunch of money into it or anything, but just, you know, get together with your friends, make something and expect to make mistakes within it edit it together and, and see where you went wrong or where you went right. And then you know, rinse and repeat and, uh, and then just keep doing it. I think the education you're going to get from that is good. And then eventually you're going to be making stuff that you like more and more because you're going right. to see what did work. And then eventually, you know, what the last thing, don't go looking for money super early. I, I've seen that. Hmm. And I, the, um, and I'm not even talking about like for I have my feature I want to make or anything right. like that. You know, just even a short film I've seen people spend. Um, and if you have the money to spend a lot on that, then good for you. That, that whatever. But yeah. um, in terms of like, if you start convincing whether it's family members or investors or whatever, mm. 
make sure that you've done the 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 work in terms of like like I said, making those other movies that yeah, are the reps, yeah. The other the other movies that like you know the the just the home movies or the little experimentations or whatever. There's nothing wrong with just keeping making those even if they're bad. Because yeah, you don't want to be in a situation. I think I've watched a lot of people get in that situation where they get do somehow end up with a bunch of money and then yeah. if it doesn't go well, which it might not, it probably won't because your uncle's really upset. Yeah, <laughs> and then you let a lot of people money. down. A lot of people right. let a lot of people down that don't have money, and so the, so I say yeah. There's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with just grabbing a camera or whatever you have to work with and just making it yourself. And and it, it not everything needs to be. You know, we're putting, we're making this for a festival, or this is a pilot for a right. web series, or just this be is, for you. This is, yeah, no, it, maybe it turns into something, and maybe you're like, oh, this is good enough. We can put this festival, but not everything needs to be hmm. specifically for something. You know, it, it's it can just right. you guys can just spend a day. Like we, there was, you know, just even recently, um, the the I don't know if you heard about Wonder Studio, the uh, it's like that. AI VFX sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh we're like, oh that's really cool. Like let's see how it works. And like so we quickly just like wrote some stuff around just experimenting with that mm. and just uh, me and some of the crew just spent a day messing around and 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 made something. I mean it's unwatchable, but it was a cool experimentation for right. the, the tool and seeing how that goes. So yeah, I think it, that that kind of stuff just just keep doing that and you'll you know I think that's my biggest advice. Just keep just getting mm. better. Like, yeah. and you can't get better by just talking about it or maybe you can, but really keep getting better. It's like a sport or whatever it is. I think, you you know, the more you just, you keep repeating and doing things, making more, you know, putting stuff in the edit, filming it, putting back in the edit, the more you just keep doing that, the better you're going to get. So I think that's my yeah. biggest piece Yeah. I think that's huge. And, and I think it's, it's a good reminder. Cause like, it's, yeah, I, I love the putting in the reps advice, but it's also, with how quickly things are changing, it's easy to feel lost, you know, or feel like you're waiting, you know, and I, I still find that, you know, I felt like that straight out of high school. And I feel like that still now is like, sometimes you get that kind of analysis paralysis where you sit there and go, okay, once I figure out how to use this new tool, then I'll make something. And it's like the best way to learn is doing it. Um, Cause I, cause I, it is, it's easy to look at what somebody does and go like, I'm not ready or I'm not there yet, or I'm not in the position to try to use this new camera or this new technology or this new editing software, but it's just going out and doing it and strengthening your relationships with your friends while you're doing it is such an yeah. invaluable tool. It's so. weird though. Cause I, I've, I've heard exact opposite pieces of advice thrown at me. Like <laughs> you don't want to do ready. that. You need to specialize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or you need to specialize. You don't want to, or, you know, don't specialize. You want to keep as broad as possible, mm. especially if you want to direct. You don't want to get caught in whatever. And yeah. and I think if that's for me anyway, a bit old school mentality, an old school mentality right now, just because the tools are so accessible right now, you, yeah. know, you can do whatever you need to do. So like, may just become the best version of a director that you can be. And then when that opportunity does come, and it probably yeah. at some point, if you if you keep hustling and everything, it's going to come that it feels like an opportunity that you're going to take and not something that right. might not end well, up going. How you think? There's just not that one. I could talk about this forever, but it's just not that you mentioned opportunity. Like that is kind of the key is like, what's everything's changing so quickly where I, I think the idea of like, you could start film school today 
and in four years, like, yeah, the basics are there, but like the tech is all different, that everything is all different. So it's like, I think there has to be some intuition there of like, okay, this door's opening, let me go through it or not, or this door's opening, or there's these 30 doors and just kind of following what happens. Cause like the idea of everybody has is like, I'm going to be Spielberg and sneak on the lot at universal and they're going to offer me a bungalow and I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to sign a six picture deal. You know, it's like, I know, I know. yeah, you know, that's kind of mythology at this point. It's like, you're going to have this thing open to this thing, open to this thing. And it may require different skill or stretching into a different area, but you have to follow those threads wherever they go. Um, but yeah, that all with, comes uh, with the rest. Mark Duplass has that really good speech. I know you've seen it. The cavalry isn't coming. Yeah. And yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've watched that so many times and, and it's, it's true. It's just like, and then maybe there's one, you know, that, one in a million or yeah, one in and, every 10,000. All your prayers right. are answered and you're getting all the tools you need. But for the most part, you know, it's a hustle and and mm-hmm. you got to figure out why you're doing it first. And then once you right. figure out why you're doing it, approach it from that angle. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, it's like I, I see, especially, you know, in the city and stuff, you see people that, like you said, a rich uncle or something like that, or worse, you know, get investors or put all their money, put all the max yeah. out their credit cards, whatever they're doing, you know, yeah. when you do that, just make sure that you your tool sets as sharp as it can possibly be you know right. and then you can, you can go in and really execute the thing you want to make um no. and that was like that, that movie i mentioned that bigfoot movie monstrous was like again we made it for next to nothing but a friend of mine had written the script we both had a gap in the schedule you know i was working at a production studio, but we had a week off for christmas and uh and so we you know we got the people together that we knew we needed and then just went out and shot it and I treated it like you know even if I didn't really have a gaff or anything I treated it as if like every shot needed to look like it was from a movie per se yeah and we just kept on doing that throughout the shoot throughout the shoot and you know it's flawed and it's it's you know from a technical level it's it's decent for what it was but you know there's there's a bunch of stuff going on there they but that you know led to me getting a little bit of money to do another one and so and then they kind of Hopefully it's still growing from there, but that was just, you know, I, I didn't beg anyone else for money or anything like that. And then we were living in a time that like, depending on your skill set, yeah, you can just kind of go out and make something and there's a chance that it might, if it, even if it doesn't make any money or doesn't do anything that could lead to just doing something else, not getting a big budget to like, here's a million dollars going to your dream movie, but it might, someone might be like, all right, this is pretty good. I I think I can trust you with fifty grand here. Right, right. See what you can do, and then you do that, and if it makes its money back, then great. And then here's more. Yeah. yeah, here's more, and then if that makes its money back, and then that I mean that's it's almost like work. It, it's almost like working actor, you know, but working yeah. director, working, you know, like it's that is probably the majority of the industry that people don't really talk about. Is it. like it's project to project. Here we're going to give you a little bit of a resource yeah. here. You know, it's, and I think that's a really interesting place to be. And yeah. it's, and there's a lot of freedom within that, you know. And you look at the so. economics behind it, it's just like, it's, it's interesting because you really, you only spend as much of a movie on a movie as you think it can possibly make mm-hmm. back. So if you do any more than that, you're like, you get in a situation where, you know, your project needs to get into Sundance or else a lot yeah. of people are going to lose a lot of money. And you don't right. want to be in that situation. Or maybe ex- you do, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. In the extreme where it's like an Indiana Jones movie can make, 
almost $300 million and be a flop, you know, and it's like, why did it cost this much? <laughs> you know, but yeah. anyway, um, I, I know we could riff on all this stuff for a long time. Sure, I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, thank you so much for, for chatting. Um, excited for be able to get to see, see your project and, and see what you work on next. Um, but thanks again for coming on and, and sharing some wisdom with us. No, thank you. This is fun. No, thanks a lot. The, uh, we're uh, we're actually on set right now. I got to run to set as soon as we're done with this. But um, <laughs> but same distributor. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Hopefully, we uh, we can chat again in a few months about that. Yeah, sounds good. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Film School podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five star review and hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.